Hello, and welcome to the Wild River Podcast. I'm your host, Sam, and I'm a coach, an energy healer, a human design reader, and a lawyer. The message I share through my platform, Wild River, is simple. Live from the heart, connect to the body, and root into earth to live an awake, empowered, and aligned life. On this podcast, we examine what that means and what that looks like. We explore spirituality, intuition, human design, the power of expression, and the many tools that can help you live authentically, confidently, and intentionally. I'm thrilled and so, so grateful that you are here. Thank you for joining me. Let's dive in. Hey, everyone. I'm so excited to be sharing this story uh, with you today. So today I am talking about leaving my job in big law, um, leaving without much of a plan and in, in the pursuit, holding the vision that something better was out there for me. If you haven't heard it yet, a few episodes ago, I share the part one of the story and I talk about all the lessons that led up to me being able to leave, um, kind of the mindset shifts, the learnings that put me in a position where I had the confidence, the understanding, the awareness to believe that leaving would be the correct choice. And it definitely was. Leaving and quitting a job is 1000% not the correct choice for everybody. And it's not available for most people just simply. But it was absolutely the right choice for me. And I know it is the right choice for some folks out there. So I'm really looking forward to sharing a little bit about kind of what that experience was like, talking more specifically about the fears that I was experiencing, what I knew, how I worked through them, and kind of the some of the specific steps that I took. In my part one of this, I talk more about the context about, you know, where I was at this point in my career. Um, If you want that information or you're curious, go back and listen, though you don't need to listen to that episode first to enjoy this episode. I can give you the most important parts. And basically what you need to know is that I was working at a large prestigious law firm in New York City. I was in the litigation group. I mostly did civil litigation, meaning that could include all sorts of different cases. I worked with a variety of different clients, largely large pharmaceutical companies, financial institutions, but many other, a little bit of tech and clients from many other sectors. It was a very rigorous role. I regularly worked 60, 70 hours a week. Sometimes that stretched into 90. It was very rarely less than 40 hours. So that would happen. You know, you have a flow of your work. And I was a big part of the job is availability. So I was always available on my phone unless I was asleep. And which meant that I was available for emails and was often emailing back and needed to email back late into the evening on weeknights, all the time on weekends. Often I would need to, you know, I'd be out and about with my friends doing something fun and then get an email and be like, I have to go right now and I need to go back to work. It was a part of the job and a part of the service that uh, that firm and a lot of other similar law firms provide its clients, which is really quick response times and, um, and a lot of availability. I just want to emphasize here how grateful I am to have had the opportunity to work at this law firm and to work in this even area of law. It's one of the best law firms in the country. I was surrounded by incredible 
incredible lawyers. Like I cannot emphasize lawyers as a whole tend to be very competent um, people because law firms rigorous, not all lawyers. I, I certainly wouldn't put a blanket on. There's a lot of lawyers that aren't very good at what they do and may not be in your best interest. So I wouldn't just blindly trust a lawyer, but on a whole lawyers are competent people. They had to do and get through a lot to be able to even be able to call themselves lawyers. And the lawyers at this law firm are some of the best in the country and the world. The uh, particularly the more senior lawyers. So getting to work alongside them or even in the same building as them, even on the same cases as them, even though I wouldn't often get very much time with them, was a real privilege and an honor. And I learned so much about professionalism and attention to detail and grit and hard work and thoughtfulness from the people that I worked with. It was an incredible opportunity for many reasons, including that it gave me a lot of confidence and it gave me financial stability and ability, privilege to be able to leave and do something else. So there's so much I could say about it. I don't really want to focus on this episode, but even though I talk about kind of a negative experience I had, it's not that I, you know, think poorly of these institutions. It's just, it wasn't the right fit for me. The other thing I want to do before I get into some of the storytelling is I just want to share a little bit about why I want to share this. First off, expressions just super important to me, and I like sharing these stories. They were they're important stories for me. They were kind of pivotal moments in my life, and I like sharing them. I think people are curious about them, and it's something that I'm proud of, and I want to celebrate. And you know, the podcast isn't really for me, but something that I have enjoyed is being able to go back and listen to episodes and hear stories and remember things that I have forgotten even a year later. So I love that this is kind of an opportunity for me to capture this moment of my life, even though I left this law firm over two years ago, almost two years and three months ago is August 2020. So it has been a little bit. Um, A big reason I'm sharing this is because I know a lot of you have made a similar leap or are considering one. We are in the middle of the great resignation. Perhaps maybe we're a little bit after it, but there's a lot of people leaving their jobs. There's a lot of people considering leaving their jobs. And when you're in that place, it can feel isolating. You can feel crazy. So my intention is to share my experience and that it hopes in the hopes that it helps any of you navigate your career decisions. And I hoping that wherever you are in your life, there's something that you can learn from this. There might be a mindset shift, just a perspective. Sometimes just hearing how someone else thinks about things can open up new ways for you or us to think about things. I certainly don't think radically changing your career is the, is necessary for a lot of people. I think a lot of people actually like their career and might just need to change the environment, might need to change the way that they relate to it, might need to change boundaries or caring for themselves or what have you. And my hope is that um, even those who have no intention to radically change or up and quit their job still get something from this. Okay, so let's get into it. Where was I? So I want to fat. I want to rewind to kind of winter 2020. So this is pre-COVID. And we, in our department at work, we had a really, really high expectation of work. So at this time, we had a really, we were really, really busy. And so there was kind of an expectation that everyone would be billing 70 hours a week, which is kind of like working 
85 to 90, um, maybe a little bit more hours a week. So everybody was, as a whole, the the environment was tired. It was kind of melancholic and um, and uninspired. And I personally felt very drained. I felt dull and I felt anxious. I was experiencing, um, I'd be in environments like doing a uh, different work environments, prepping a deposition or at certain things that are actually really cool, like things I would really enjoy. And my whole body would tense up. I would feel my heart race and it would feel like my throat was closing. And I would have to kind of under the table, start tapping. Um, it's a modality EFT tapping. You tap different parts of your body to try to calm myself down privately. So no one would know that I was kind of having these panic episodes. It wasn't a panic attack, but my whole body was reacting. And what I know now is my body was just telling me this isn't the right environment. I don't want to be here anymore. I didn't put that together at that time. I just was observing that my body was having these experiences. I noticed myself withdrawing. I had friends at work. I was friends with different folks who worked, um, you know, not just not just people I worked with on my cases, but folks who worked in different roles who maybe worked in the mailroom or the cafeteria or paralegals, or there's so many different valuable roles at a law firm. And I would notice myself not wanting to run into people, which is not like me. I used to love, I would go say hi to everybody and chat everybody up and really enjoy the conversation. And I could feel myself wanting to avoid people. I would wait to go to the cafeteria till I knew people wouldn't be out and about because I wouldn't want to talk to anybody. I wouldn't want to leave my office. I would go to the bathroom and keep my eyes down. And I noticed that I was working very, very hard to maintain a positive attitude. I had a daily gratitude and affirmation practice. Um, I had actually started sharing that practice. I think I talked about this on the last episode with my whole department because I thought others might benefit from it. But I was really, really trying to lean into this. I actually was reviewing my journals in preparation of this episode and I reread a journal entry from late 2019 that says, it's a Sunday and I just got home from the office. I fell asleep on my office floor for 45 minutes. Then I woke up and cried. (laughs) And I continue to say that last week I had worked about 90 hours and I was really tired, but um, I was really trying to just lean in and embrace the experience that I had realized that once I just kind of got over the fact that I was going to be tired and I wouldn't have time for other things in my life, it got a lot easier because I was just kind of surrendered. And actually it got kind of fun to just be like, okay, I'm fully in the deep end, which is a really positive way to look at those things. Um, I'm glad I was able to walk myself through it, but I know that it was actually really difficult for me and it was really hard on my body and it was hard on my relationship and my relationships with other people to be working that much. Um, so I was, I was still trying really hard by early 2020. I knew I was going to leave the law firm at the end of the year. And I was waiting for a bonus, a pretty sizable bonus that I would get at the end of that year. So I was just like, okay, get through this one year. Plus by then I would have had a fair amount of experience. I'd be pretty marketable and thought, I'm just going to quit, use that bonus. I wanted to go spend six weeks in India and I wanted to go spend a few months at a permaculture farm in Costa Rica 
and just travel and explore and enjoy life. So I had already accepted the idea that I was probably going to leave the law firm without a plan and that was okay. But I was without a, without an employment plan, but I did have a plan. I was going to go travel and that felt really exciting. I had already drafted my farewell emails to everybody because I was so, you know, I was just eager and I was really like gripping onto that of like, okay, this is going to happen and this is going to be great and I just have to keep getting through it and it's all going to be worth it because I'm going to have saved all this money and I'm going to be able to travel and it's just going to be awesome. Then COVID hit and I, you know, I was in New York city, of course, during COVID. So it was a pretty intense place to be. Um, we were living in a 320 square foot apartment, me and my partner, we both were working and we didn't have like desks or any, a coffee table or like any space because our apartment was so small. We ended up moving to Brooklyn shortly after and, and got more space, but in, we were in an area in Soho that was generally really busy and you'd go on the streets and it was like a ghost town. And when you would see somebody, no one would look at each other and you would cross the street. So you weren't close. You know, there was a, a mandatory curfew. There were ambulances all the time. You just heard constant ambulances. New York was hit very bad at the beginning and there was a lot of deaths happening around us. And it was an overwhelming environment to be in. And then, you know, we settled into the COVID experience and what I realized is everything that kept me afloat at work, all the social experiences, even though I had started to redraw, withdraw, still being around people was really important. All the sexy parts about working at like a chic office and law firm in New York, you know, and even just seeing like these like really badass attorneys, I would read about one of my colleagues in the New York Times and then I would watch him like walk in the hallway and it was like, cool. It was like kind of like seeing a celebrity and all of that went away. Um, those things aren't actually that important. I know now, and I think I even knew then at some level, but they kept it, they kept this like feeling and facade going. They kept it feeling like, oh no, I want to be here. This is exciting. Cause I was really, really trying to like it. And then all of a sudden I was just left with the work. And I was just left with, as I think many of you have experienced, just left working all the time. There wasn't any other social relief. There wasn't anything else. Uh, we weren't seeing other people. To We didn't have very many people walking distance to us. I don't know if we had really, we had very few. We weren't seeing them at the beginning or we were very sparsely seeing them. We weren't using the subway. Like it took several months before our social life started to pick up and even then, it was very restricted. You know, in New York City, everyone's in small apartments. There isn't like people don't have these big backyards and places to gather. It was, and no one has cars. It was a really, it was an environment that was not very COVID friendly. So that made me all this kind of desire to try really hard just fell away. And instead, I was left with total apathy. I had a really hard time conjuring the effort and caring enough to, you know, do my job really well and to do it at the level I needed to be doing it. It took so much energy to be able to do it because I, it wasn't just the hours. I never really liked the job that much either. I was realizing, I didn't know at the beginning, but I was realizing the job alone, I wasn't enjoying that much. And so with all the other stress conditions happening, it was really difficult for me to care. And that apathy was 
bad for my mental health. Like it was not good for me to kind of start to check out of work because I started feeling guilty. I started feeling ashamed. I felt like I wasn't good at my job. I was starting to feel like I didn't deserve to be there. Apathy is, um, or disengagement. I've been hearing the word quiet quitting going on. That is not always a supportive place to be in because it doesn't facilitate a positive inner dialogue. And so I was recognizing this in myself and feeling a real sense of urgency and desperation of, I need to leave and I need to leave right now. I started looking at jobs all the time and I wasn't just looking at law jobs, I actually was only looking at a few law jobs, mostly environmental compliance. So I did my undergrad in environmental studies and marine science. And then I went to law school to study environmental law. And I was very, very engaged in the environmental law program at Tulane Law School. And then I had applied to some nonprofits actually like six months before this or maybe a year and didn't get any of those positions. I was interested in doing environmental law, environmental litigation group, but I knew the nonprofit route might not be the best fit because you had to make a two-year commitment and um, they're very competitive and they don't hire super frequently. So I just didn't know if that, like if I could rely on that being an option, but I was looking at environmental like roles and then I was looking at anything. I was looking at like entry positions at chocolate making and cheese stores and I was, I'm really interested in food and packaging. I still am. So I was looking at like anything related to food and packaging, even positions that did not use my skill sets at all, did not honor my skill sets, would be very demanding, um, would not really make sense financially because I just needed any reason to leave. And I felt like I had to have a job to make a change. And then I started working with an incredible coach named Danny Dillard. If you've been around on Wild River, you may have seen me talk about her because I feel like I talk about her like every other episode. I have been working with Danny now for two and a half years and she's been an incredibly positive influence in my life and a friend. But at this time I had just started working with her. I'd heard her on a podcast six months before and was interested, really was like, I don't really know what coaching is. I'd never done anything like that, but I had worked with a lot of different healers just kind of in one-off sessions, but I just felt this pull to work with her. And then she had an Instagram post. I was like, I'm taking clients for a six, one, you know, two one-on-one clients for six week transformational kind of experience. And I'm calling in somebody who's really grounded, but also like fiery, maybe like a corporate person looking to bring more like life and a connection into their life. And I was like, whoa, that feels like me. Like I'm grounded, but I'm fire. I'm a Virgo with a Leo moon and Leo rising. I mean, in Sagittarius rising. And I am in the corporate world, but I'm feeling really disconnected and I want to feel more connected to myself. So I called her and had a call with her. I hit her up. I had a call with her, really just resonated with her. It was really perfect because I had bought all these concert tickets to a band I like called Fish and the like the tour got canceled. And so I got all this money refunded and it was like the exact cost of her program. So it just felt really aligned and I signed up and I started talking with her. We started working on all this different stuff. We went, worked through each chakra in my body. We're working on fear and connecting with my body and a lot of interesting things. If you are interested in hearing more about different healing modalities that I've done and what's worked for me, let me know. I can do an episode on that. But the main thing that I got from those early calls is this important, this decision I'm making is important. The decision to leave your job is an important one. So don't just make it out of fear. 
Don't make it out of reactivity. Make it from an intentional place, an empowered place, a thoughtful and confident place. And making this decision, what I was doing before was making it out of reactivity, looking at any job, just like thinking I should just apply anywhere versus really asking myself, what do I want out of this time? What do I want out of my next job? What could that look like for me? And it was at this time that Danny suggested, hey, could you quit without a plan? Like, could you just quit and take some time for yourself and then kind of move forward after you had a little bit of space? And my initial reaction was absolutely not. There's no way I don't have the money for that. And I got like angry, like I was kind of reacting. And then she's like, okay, yeah, of course, totally understand. Just, you know, throwing it out there. And then we moved on with the call. And internally, I was just thinking, I could, I have all this money that I have been saving. As soon as I started at Davis Polk, I started saving in case I wanted to take a go to work at a nonprofit and and take a significant pay cut. And if I needed kind of money as my lifestyle adjusted and just to live in New York City and to maintain, you know, everything. And I started saving for traveling right away. So even though I hadn't made it to that big bonus time and all of that, I'd still had been saving, saving a lot for traveling for almost two years. And so I looked and thought, okay, I have this cash. I about six four to six months of expenses, um, rent, everything that I had saved to travel. But what if I used it now instead? And I, she said, you know, just sit with it. Think about it. Keep it to yourself. Just kind of sit with it. And that's when I started kind of figuring everything out. So first I'm going to talk about kind of what did I, where was I at that point? What did I know? And then I want to talk about the fears and how I worked through them. So at that place, I felt clear that I needed to leave, that I felt deadened and apathetic and that it would not get better. This was not a mindset issue. I needed to leave. I knew that there was more out there for me. I had a vision for my life. I knew and I believed even when my job felt so unfulfilling that I had a grand life in front of me, that I would find work that I loved, that I would be able to dedicate my passion and my competencies and my skill sets to something that brought me meaning. And so even though I couldn't see that from where I was, I couldn't see what it would be. I didn't know what the path was going to look like. I knew it was out there. And I knew that if I just gave myself enough space to find it, it would appear, it would materialize, it would develop in front of me. And I really believed that. I wanted to feel connected to my job. I wanted to feel connected to community. I wanted to feel engaged and inspired. I knew that it was possible for me to connect with the mission and I wanted that. And so with all of this, I was like, there's something bigger. And if I give myself space, I really think I could figure it out. But I knew that I wasn't going to be able to figure it out where I was. It wasn't going to come in in this place where I'm working a lot, where I'm in this apathy, where my body's tense and is actually a bit burnt out. I didn't know what was going to come next, but I knew I needed space for it to come in. So this grand vision that I had wasn't just going to appear on its own. And I actually, I use that word grand vision because I was looking at this journal entry from June, 2021. And it literally said, I want a grand life and I need space to dream it up. And I just think it's so like 
I think that was really wise of me. And I think that was something I arrived at because of coaching and because of my wonderful therapist, Emily Marr, that allowed me to, to be intentional and at least pause and consider what would it be like if I left without a plan? What would that even look like? Because at the beginning, I just went straight to, no, that's not possible. It's too much. That's too scary. Absolutely not. No way. And then once I kind of realized like, wait a minute, could I? I don't have to say I'm going to, but could I? Can I just sit with this? Can I just explore it? Can I allow myself just to, yes, it's scary, but just kind of marinate on it and see what might be available for me? I was very aware that this was a decision I needed to feel my way into and not think my way into. This wasn't something I was going to be able to reason and logic because reason and logic would tell me, go get another job that sounds better. And then maybe after a year or two, if it's not better, go get another one and then another one. And I just knew that that wasn't going to work. That if I hopped to another job, I would probably be in the same place in like six months from now. And then I would just feel like, I felt like I would feel like a failure or a loser, like I would never be able to figure it out. And I would start to believe that this just wasn't possible for me. I also knew at that point that my intuition was speaking to me, that I was feeling this intuitive knowing to leave. And I wasn't 100 percent sure if I could trust it. But I at this point had been led by my intuition and other experiences and it had worked out. And I'd been led by my body. And I had at this point recognized that wisdom that my body held So I felt like this was at least worth considering and trusting. Even though I didn't know exactly what this path would look like, I was pretty drawn to environmental law. So I at least knew that's where I'm going to start taking steps towards. I didn't actually know if I wanted to be a lawyer. I couldn't tell. I knew that I wasn't feeling very excited or lit up by a lot of my traditional legal tasks at work. But I also had this really positive experience after I graduated law school or I worked for a federal judge that I really liked. And so I just couldn't tell, is this all law? Is this just the type of law that I'm doing? Is it the environment? Is it the hours? Has it just become so much that like nothing really feels good? And I definitely didn't want to just give up on law. Like I'd only been out of law school for three years. I'm still, as I'm recording this, I've only been in law school for five and a half years. So I didn't want to just give up on this. I was something that I had worked hard for. I was, had, you know, passed the bar in New York and California. I had all of these like skills and attributes working in my favor. It was already such a big investment of my time. But I also knew just because I made the decision to go to law school when I was 19 years old, doesn't mean that now at 27, not at that point I was 27, not sure whether I wanted to still do this. I didn't have to do it forever just because I dedicated a lot of my 20s to it. It wasn't a lifetime oath. Like I didn't have to keep doing it. The reason I went to law school ultimately was to create a career for myself that was fulfilling and meaningful and develop the skill sets that I needed to be successful. And so if I landed in a job that was fulfilling and meaningful and can support me and do all the things that I, you know, was hoping I would be able to do out of law school, then I consider that a win, even if I went this kind of circuitous route. So I kept reminding myself of that. And I think at this point, I really did have a suspicion that I was going to leave law totally, but I wasn't very forthcoming with that because understandably, everyone in my life was like, whoa, 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 let's just slow down on that part. Let's just wait. Maybe you just need a new environment. And even where I am now today, I'm not 
doing very much law work. I still do a little bit, but I'm still not ready to leave it. I There's so much I love about the law. It's such a privilege to have that skill set. And the law is so important for society. There's so many people that you can serve and support with this legal knowledge and benefit. So I'm, I don't know if I'll ever fully walk away from it because it feels like I can just help so many people with it, depending on how I want to use it. Anyway, I knew the last thing I wanted to say that I really felt clear about is that I knew that leaving was less scary than staying. Staying at this job, staying on this path felt scarier than leaving, even though I didn't really know what I was doing, even though I didn't really know where it would take me, even though I I knew I wasn't going to have a plan. I felt like staying just everything about me wanted to collapse on the inside. So that was a pretty clear sign that I'll take the risks. But there was still a lot of fears happening. And that's what I want to talk about next. The hands down scariest part about considering leaving my job was the fear of judgment. It was the fear of what other people would think about me. I was afraid that people would think I was dumb, that I was incompetent, that I was lazy or irresponsible. Who does she think she is quitting a job in the middle of a global pandemic at the cusp of a potential financial crisis? Like who who do you think you are to do that? How could you be so irresponsible? Like, or, oh, you just must not be able to keep up. I was afraid that people close to me, particularly my parents, would be mad or disappointed I suspected that a lot of people would not understand, particularly because this was something that I really felt into rather than thought into. I didn't have a super strategic reason. I just knew that I needed to make a shift. I wrote a journal entry that said, my mind is concerned by the risk of not finding other work, but my heart and body are not. My body is most afraid of judgment. And that really wasn't, I'm going to talk about the money part in a, in a few minutes, um, because obviously that was a really serious like question and concern that I had and I think others had around me. But that was an issue that my mind felt. My body, when I thought about it, the thing that kind of stopped me in my tracks was what are other people going to think about this? And where I landed on that was staying in a job that I did not like because of fear of judgment from others. It's just not a good enough reason. I'm the one who has to live my life. Like I'm the one who has to stick with these decision, live out the consequences. So the fear that someone out there in their home might look at me and be like, oh, that's dumb. Or like, oh, that's irresponsible. Even for that fragment of a moment is not a reason. Even if they held that and told that to me every single time, I just decided I'm not willing to make a decision out of that fear. That's not something that I'm going to live with. And so, yes, I might be afraid of that judgment, but I'm just going to have to figure out a way to do it anyway, because that's not how I want to live my life. The other really big challenge for me was the unknown of it all. Now, at this time, I had kind of known every step I was going to take. So I went to high school. I always knew I was going to go to college. I didn't know where, but I always knew I was going to go to college. I decided I was going to go to law school my sophomore year of college. I took my LSAT that prepared for the LSAT that summer. I think I took it at the beginning of my junior year. 
I was like 19. I remember being 19 in my LSAT prep classes and feeling like I was a lot younger than everybody. Then I went to law school and I, after one year of law school, I already pretty much knew where I was going to work after I graduated and I had a clerkship lined up. So going into my second year of law school, I had at least my next, I had my next three years locked in and a really strong expectation of where I'd be for the next five years. So I never have had this before where I was like this open road, what could happen? A part of me was really scared, but a part of me was really excited. It's really exciting to not know what you're going to be doing in six months in a year from now to allow yourself the spaciousness to get inspired and to follow whatever comes to you. And it felt particularly exciting because I knew I had this really strong foundation to fall back on. Um, not that you have to have that to make a risk for anybody out there who's like, well, I want to make a risk and I don't have a, a graduate degree with this you know, specific skill set. You don't have to have that. But, you know, I'm speaking about my experience. And that was something that I relied on to bring me a sense of security that I had this safety. And because I had spent so much of my life and my 20s up till then with this kind of rigidity around how I'd be spending my time this idea of what could happen next was a little bit exciting, but it was also scary because there is, there is safety. It's not true safety. It's false, but there's a feeling of safety that comes from control that comes from, I know what I'm going to be doing next. I know where I'm going to be. The reason I say it's false is because life can change in an instant. You have no idea what's going to happen. You know, a company can go bankrupt out of what feels like out of nowhere, you know, like the market can totally change. Your personal life can change. Uh, Someone close to you could pass away or get really ill. You could get ill. Like there's so many things that could happen. And this feeling of safety can be kind of pulled from us in a moment if we rely on safety from outside factors, from the external world. But that doesn't like, it still is obvious that not knowing what's going to happen is a tough thing. And so I did have to work through that a little bit, although I was doing a lot of healing at this time around my sense of safety and how I could rely on myself to feel safe, realizing that I was safe as long as I was connected to my intuition and my body and my truth and my emotions. And I allowed myself to feel all the experience. That's where is where safety comes from, not a job that I don't like, but I at least know it's probably going to be there. And basically, I decided that this greater vision that I wanted for my life, even this vague vision of I want a job and a path that feels so satisfying and affirming and fulfilling and like I'm really connected to a mission greater than myself, like I want that out of my life and I want this big, beautiful life where I'm so expressive and I have wonderful friends and community and all these great things are happening. I want that. And that vision is worth the fear. It's worth walking through something that feels scary. It's worth the unknown. And don't forget what I said earlier about staying was feeling scarier than leaving anyway. Plus, at this point, my body had really supported me and it was helping me process so much that I just decided I want to try to trust you. The last really big fear that I had and probably the more practical issue was how was I going to make money? How was I going to find work? For context, we're four or five months into the into COVID. 
to the global pandemic, it has become pretty obvious now that this is not something that's going to go away quickly. You are seeing the economy get hit pretty badly. There are a lot of questions of, are we about to hit a recession? Could it be worse than that? Is is there a potential for some sort of financial collapse? And so I was asking myself, is am I an idiot? Like, is this the worst idea ever to leave a job during um, a financial downturn? One question I had was, can I be honest with my colleagues? Like, what if I tell them I'm just leaving because I don't want to be here anymore? Will I lose credibility? Because the way I saw it was my best option, my best kind of safety net was I'd go, I'd hope take a break. I would hope to find inspiration, to find another job, to find a path once I had clarity. But if I didn't, if I couldn't get hired, if I couldn't figure anything out, then I would just come back to a similar law firm, probably not the same one, maybe the same one, but probably not, and just try something else or go to a law firm. So I really needed my peers, particularly the like my bosses, positive recommendations. I had really good relationships with people I worked with, so I didn't want to spoil those. And then just the obvious point of, is this wise for me to spend money just to not work. And I want to get into the privilege perspective of this. So I, my biggest question, whenever I heard people say they made a career change, particularly one that required them that like, wasn't going to be profitable for a while, I always said like, with what, with what money, like, how did you do that? So I want to be somewhat candid here and just describe, I think I mentioned this earlier, I was saving for a long time and I'm really proud of that. A big reason I was able to save though, is that I did not graduate law school with very much debt. I was able to pay off all of my debt within the first year, maybe even a little bit less than that. And that is just an extremely fortunate position to be in. That was a result of a number of factors, including a really wonderful scholarship that I received, but also the support of others around me who helped pay for my life, like for me to live and go to school during law school. And so I also worked a job that was really well compensated. And there was just a lot of other things happening. You know, I, I'm a young woman with a law degree. There's so much fortune that even comes into that statement, a young American woman, white woman with a law degree who worked at this incredible firm that has a really prominent brand name. So that name alone would help build credibility if I went to go try to get a job in another market. I don't have any pre-existing health conditions, so I didn't have a lot of insurance needs. I, I have always maintained some sort of coverage, but I could do a really kind of bare bones coverage, which I did, I've had at times over the last two and a half years, um, if I had to. I don't have any kids. I don't have any mortgages. I'm not a caregiver. I don't have any big financial obligations. Like I was in such a position to be able to take a break and I had all this money saved up. And that's really fortunate on its own. Um, And I don't think that you have to have that to take a shift or to quit or to do anything. I think you just need to know your next step and have a plan for uh, a window of time. But I had that, which is really incredible. And it's so interesting because I think having all of those things and those privileges made me feel guilty about it. So few people are able to do this in the world. like. So few people in the world are in this position where they have your combination of skill set and education, the money that you have available to you, 
family that can support me if things really took a serious turn. Like I could always go move in with my parents. That's a huge privilege. And then not having obligations. And just the fact that I even can ask myself the question, what brings me joy in my work is such a privilege. So many people work purely out of necessity. And I think having all that made me feel guilty and ashamed. Like I shouldn't have this. Like I'm too lucky. This is too fortunate. I don't even have the best words to describe it, but I'm curious if anybody else resonates. And I suspect people might because I actually hear this a lot from people when they're leaving, like, who am I to be able to do this? Like, I'm somehow so blessed. Like, I feel like I I should stay in this because I'm so lucky. I should stay in this role because I have all this. Like, I shouldn't take it for granted. And I think that's what it was. I think it's, I am so lucky to have this position and to be in this place that I shouldn't take it for granted and suggest I leave because there's so many people who can't be here and who would want to be if they had the opportunity. And my response to that is, if in my response to myself and how I talked myself through this is that this privilege is a tremendous gift and it should not be wasted. If you are one of the lucky, relatively few people in the whole world who has the flexibility and, and ability and means to create a career and a path that feels deeply fulfilling to at least explore what that it looks like to make shifts purely for the goal of bringing more joy into your life, then take it. Because a lot of people simply can't. Like if you're lucky enough to have it, then use it and be grateful for it and own that opportunity and own the responsibility of it that you are lucky enough. So do something meaningful with it. I think anybody who has any sort of opportunity in the world, like if you're lucky enough to have it and you want that thing, do it and make something out of it. Like put your heart into it and create the life that you want. Give yourself that chance because a lot of people don't even have that. They don't even have the opportunity to take the shot. I do. So I wanted to at least give myself that shot, even if there's a part of me that felt guilty and just like embarrassed. It took me a long time to be able to even really talk about this openly because I just felt like I felt like I was rubbing my other people's nose in it. And I finally just decided this is true for me. It's a lot of people are in this position too. A lot of people aren't, but I am going to own my path in it. And, um, and I'm going to celebrate and embrace all the things that I have my way and use them to make my life better and hopefully make the lives better of other people. With the other money things that I was talking about, the more practical aspects, like what if I couldn't get a job? I basically just mapped out the worst case scenarios. And I sometimes worst case scenario planning can cause spiraling. But in this sort of decision where you're making a really big shift, I think it's actually helpful because I think we tend to have this really big fear of the worst case scenario without actually ever grounding it in the facts. So I mapped it out, which was basically like I spend my money way quicker. Maybe there's some sort of emergency like my house floods or something and I run out of that cash. I get injured and it costs money. Like I run out of that cash sooner than I thought. It's hard for me to get a job. I can't get a job anywhere and I have to move out of New York and move back to Arizona or more likely I am getting a job at a place I don't really want to be. I'm going to go back to working 80 hour weeks and it, you know, I won't, it won't have been the wisest way to spend that money. And I basically looked at those scenarios and said, okay, none of these are catastrophic. I think I can take this risk. Like, I think it's worth it. 
I also landed on the fact that I'm resourceful, I am skilled, and I will be able to find a way to make money. Like I had said earlier, the biggest fear within me was not the financial part my head was concerned about because I was just thinking through all of the realities of what if no one was hiring? Like what if we were launching into some sort of terrible financial situation? But in my body, I just, that wasn't the thing I was afraid of. And I had this ex, this realization during this time of, I had to be careful about who I spoke to about this and when, because other people's fear about those things could like, it's almost like I could take them on and start being afraid of it. And then realizing like, I don't need to be afraid of this. I truly believe I can navigate myself through that. It is scary to spend large sums of money. Like it is scary to have worked and saved and be like, wait a minute, I'm not going to use this to travel. I'm not going to use this for a house. I'm just going to use this for my own well-being, for my own, I, I was calling it a sabbatical, for my own sabbatical to hang out. You know, it's COVID. There's not, we're not doing anything to hang out in my house all day, go to walks of the park. Like, is it worth it? But I just knew inside that I had to leave. And looking back, I realized like I was deadening and I was losing so much life force. And this was a important thing to do, to show myself, to show my higher self, to show my soul that I was, I was game. Like I was ready. I wanted to create a life that I loved and I wasn't going to accept things and stay in things simply because I felt trapped. Like I realized and decided, I think I wrote and I did, I wrote in my journal about, I don't, yeah, I have it right here. Quote, I don't have to trap myself in work and environment I hate. I can do whatever I want. I just decided like, I have the money here to spend this. Yes, this isn't how a lot of people would choose to spend it. You know, spending four to six months of expenses in New York City cost is quite a bit of money. Yes, this isn't how I, what I intended to use this money when I saved it, but the world is in a different place. I'm not going to India or Costa Rica anytime soon. Who knows, you know, if I'll ever be able to have that sort of trip. I think now I don't really want to go spend two months at a permaculture farm. And this is the thing that's the most important. And so, you know, a lot of fears came up and I, I think the most important thing that I did, and I would suggest this to anybody is I moved them through my body. I allowed myself to be afraid. And that was really important for me. I allowed myself to feel into all the fear of judgment, all the fear of disappointment, all the fear that it wouldn't work out financially, all the fear that this was stupid, irresponsible. And I just felt it. I lied in bed and I would be overwhelmed with the emotion and I cried and I journaled and I walked. And it was so valuable to do that because once I felt it, I could let go of it. And I no longer had to make a decision from that place of that emotional charge, from that fear. I instead could make a motion from clarity, having an awareness that yes, fear is here, but I do not have, but, but there's other things here too. There's also excitement and joy and opportunity. And I can take them all together and weigh them because I have a sense of clarity because I have felt those emotions. So they're not alive in my body within me. There was a separation there. The only piece I couldn't really work through is how to tell my colleagues and not burn those bridges. And so that was the thing I was really stuck on. 
what am I going to say to people? I really didn't think it would be a good idea to tell some of my bosses. I just don't want to be here anymore. So I'm just going to quit and chill at home for the next four months. Like I don't, I didn't think they would understand that. I think that more people would have understand it than I gave them credit for at the time. I told some of my friends and then and then I kind of just, well, I'll get to that. So then what were my actual next steps? The first thing that I did is I worked through this. When I first got the idea to quit, I sat on it for five days, which for me is a tremendous amount of time. I tell my partner, I express to him my emotions and my feelings so quickly. I, I try to wait till I'm processed in them, but I usually tell him every, like any big idea or decision, if not immediately within the day. So it's very unusual for me to sit with it. And that was intentional. I knew that this was an important idea. I knew that this was a very vulnerable idea. And I didn't want to put it out there and take on other people's thoughts, fears, disappointments, judgments, expectations, even if they were intending to be supportive. Often people want to be supportive and them pointing things out like, how are you going to make money is meant to be supportive. It's meant to protect you. It's out of concern or care, and there can be an effect of it kind of icing or cooling your excitement or planning fear within you. So I waited for a few days, and then I waited after I told him he was very supportive. I actually don't remember the conversation, but I I remember always only feeling support from him and him really understanding. I slowly sat with it, and I started telling some very close friends. I had this mentality of I'm not going to ask permission. So I'm not going to ask my parents for permission. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to decide. And then I started to soften on that and realize, hey, this is an important decision. Why don't I invite people in I trust? Once I feel really good about it, once I feel kind of like assured and solid in myself, not as easily swayed, I've connected with how I authentically feel, which is kind of everything I've just described up to now. Now I can start inviting in people I trust and see what their thoughts are. One of the first person I reached out to is a professor I had at Tulane Law School, who's the director of the Center for Environmental Law. We have been we had been in touch quite a bit at that point. And about five months prior, four months prior, he had suggested to me the opportunity to plan a conference at Tulane or to take on some sort of role, advisorship role to help get me more involved with environmental law, helped support students and kind of like support me on my path while I could also support the Tulane environmental community through my skill sets that I could convey and teach. And I realized, hey, why don't I reach out? And I basically just said, hey, this is what I'm thinking. What are your thoughts? At that point, I think I probably said, I'm thinking I want to transition to environmental law, but I don't know what the role is. I know, I knew at that point, oh, I forgot to say this. I had been interviewing, I had been working my contacts and having conversations with people who were in really interesting jobs I don't remember the specific roles. I remember speaking to like the head of sustainability at REI. I remember speaking to other people in the outdoor retail space who worked on supply chain and environmental things because that's a big interest of mine, supply chain and environmental interests outside of law. I had spoke to a lot of really interesting senior people and was starting to think about, well, what if I pursued a more business path? So not in law, but more adjacent, like more in that field, 
related to food systems, related to supply chain packaging. I'm really fascinated by the food, like how food travels, how it's packaged and the environmental impacts of those supply chains, where it comes from, where it's sourced. I brought that interest to Tulane and my professor said, hey, you know, there's ways for you to get involved here. And I'm not going to go into all the details of that. But basically, I returned to them and said, I want mentorship and I want to start building a network. And I need that more than I need any sort of pay or like stability. So if there's a role I can take that I can, you know, have some affiliation, I get the opportunity to learn, to research, to meet people. There's, you know, I could put together conferences, which are great for network building. And they said, yeah, absolutely. We already have something like that. You can be advisor to the Tulane Center for Environmental Law. This is a pro bono opportunity, but, or, you know, pro bono role. It can be as small or as big as you want, and we can build towards getting funding over time if that's something you're interested in. And I've decided, okay, amazing. And I have been with them for now two and a half years and I'm really enjoying that work. It feels like service work and it's really fun and interesting and it keeps me involved in a certain aspect of environmental law. I focus on food and farming and urban farming. Right now I'm really focused on property issues and urban farming. That's an aside. This was really valuable to me because it gave me something to say that I was doing that wasn't 1000% honest to say like, I'm doing this. I was doing it, but I think I allowed people to believe that this was like a full-time full role and not a role that was way more fluid than that. And that was important to me. Like I needed to say like, oh, I'm going to be doing environmental work with Tulane. And then I kind of was vague about it and like, and it'll just, you know, I'm up be this for a short term. I'm also be looking for other work, but it gave something of like, I have a direction and it was true. Like, and I love that role with Tulane and I, and I am excited about continuing to be involved in those sorts of things. But basically I realized I needed a narrative. I needed something to say. I don't think that you need that anymore. I think it's become much more common to leave I was a little bit before the great resignation. I heard recently like that really started in April 2021. And this was August of 2020. When I left, I hadn't heard of anybody in my firm leaving to do something just to leave. I think that's become a lot more popular. And the bottom line is I needed it to feel safe. And so even though I've had to actually go back and come clean and be like, I think I kind of overstated that to some of my colleagues who are, who've been really understanding and, and, and compassionate and like, look, I think that was kind of smart that you did that. I don't think it would have played very well to be totally honest about that. I do think that there's wisdom in doing whatever you need to do to be safe, whatever you need to do to make yourself feel secure enough to take that leap of faith, even if you're kind of dressing up something a little bit. Um, I want to use careful language here because I'm not encouraging people just to like make up totally false stories. But I don't think that you need to lay all your cards on the table. I don't think it was my responsibility to tell the firm exactly what I was going to be doing and exactly why I was leaving because I don't think they really needed that information. I don't think they were particularly interested in it and I needed to protect myself. And I stand by that. I sometimes feel a little bit embarrassed that I wasn't just totally owned my truth, but it was the best I can do at the time. It also ended up being 
possibly one of the best things that could happen. So I left the firm. I told everybody I was leaving and I give a month notice and I planned a trip. And I would really encourage anybody who's leaving their job to plan something for that time because you're it's a big shift for your nervous system you go from being very very busy and action oriented to having a lot of spaciousness and for me and i know a lot of other people you can really get into feelings of guilt and like not really sure what to do with yourself and it can be easy to feel anxious so i planned a trip i had planned already planned to go to san diego with my parents and then me and my partner were going to spend some time at my parents house and in Arizona in August, just to get some time out of the city where the city was pretty much under different levels of lockdown for a lot of those maybe nine months following the first nine months of COVID. Then from there, I decided I would do a a solo road trip and do some solo camping in Idaho. There was a fire, ended up turning into Wyoming and Montana trip. But shortly after, right when I left Davis Polk, I sent a farewell email saying, hey, I'm going to pursue my interest in environmental law and water law, and I'm going to be starting with working with Tulane, um, you know, hope to keep in touch. A colleague reached out to me who who I barely knew and said, hey, you know, there's an alumni who's general counsel of this great company. He does all environmental law, water law stuff. Seems like you might have something to talk about. Want me to put you in touch? I said, yeah, sure. I get in touch with this guy, really cool guy, liked him immediately, like just felt so super comfortable with him. We had actually, our paths had crossed on an environmental law issue a year earlier. We didn't, kind of unknowing to us, we connected on that. We talked on all these interesting issues. At the end of this hour call, he says, so I'd love to work with you. Can I hire you? And I was not expecting this at all. I thought this was just going to be an interesting connection call. I, this was August, so I had already had my trip planned. I was really wanting to protect. And I forgot another interesting, this is a thing, human design talks about this thing where like when you take a leap, stuff comes, you make space. Like when you create space as a as a generator, manifesting generator, new stuff has the opportunity to come in. And I think this applies to actually a lot of types. When you take a leap, like stuff will start coming in. I got an offer for a prestigious position working for a judge that had kind of come out semi out of the blue. And then I, and I, I, there was a part of me that wanted to take it because of that safety and fear, but I just knew it wasn't right. I wanted to create this time. And if I did that, even though it would be a fun job and the hours would be way better, it just, it wouldn't feel good. And then I got this other offer. Hey, do you want to work with us? And I responded. I'm really glad I held myself in my power here and said, I would love to. I'm doing some solo travel for the next few months. I'll be back in October. We can talk then. I'm available for 10 or 15. I think I said 10 to 20 hours a week. He said, great. That ended up being the biggest blessing. I worked with this company. I have worked with this company for over two years It provided a lot of financial security. It was incredibly interesting work for me and it was very, very flexible. So I had this opportunity. I would often work 15 hours a week. Usually I would not work for a few weeks and then work like 40 or 50 in one week, but it created the space. It allowed me to stay engaged in environmental law. It was actually everything I dreamed of like in real life. Like it was super interesting issues. I really loved everybody I worked with. I was very, very valued. I got to weigh on in on important company issues. I was compensated well, and it created all this spaciousness in my life to be able to pursue pursue my other things. This ended up being the biggest godsend because it allowed me to extend this four to six months of sabbatical. I basically took 
six six weeks off without working at all and then started working part-time right away. It was really hard for me to not work at all. I didn't really have it in me. I think it was that nervous system thing that I had a very hard time relaxing. I felt very guilty even though I had wanted this. And I found myself sleeping a lot, 10 to 11 hours a day. You know, we weren't socializing a lot. We were, the city was still under a lot of restrictions. I don't think we were even going to restaurants and such was not really allowed at this point, or there are really a lot of limitations around it. So I think there was probably some disengagement of like generally life and the spirit of life. But the main thing was, I think it just took my body a long time to rest and to recover. And I felt this real need, even though no one was putting this pressure on me to show that I was doing something. So I was throwing my, I was working more than I think I even wanted to, but it was a good thing ultimately because it created more time where I had this kind of middle ground. I don't think I'm going to use this podcast episode to go into everything that happened next, but basically if I were to sum it up, it was like, I took a big leap and I made space and then amazing things just fell in through the sky that created time and more space for me to start pursuing or start following the breadcrumbs. I was really into human design. So I decided to take a training. I did that after I left the law firm. I really loved doing that. So I started giving readings. This was February, 2021. I joined the group coaching program and that surrounded me with other people who were doing similar things, including a human design bestie I made. Then I started hosting women's circles again. I started doing human design readings. I had an Instagram account that I created in the fall called Wild River about environmental education that quickly became an outlet for me to talk about my spirituality and the importance of connecting with earth consciousness and educate people on human design. Then I started hosting women's circles again, and I met one of my best friends and soul sisters, Nadia, and we started doing moon circles then I moved to Vermont because my partner went back to school. Then I started group coaching. Then I started realizing I had a gift of energy healing. And then everything is just builds. Then I realized human Wild River is a business. I want it to be a business. I want this. And things just built and built from there. And I look back at this time because I could have never expected that things would lay out the way they did. They took a lot longer than I thought they would. I thought it was going to take four to six months and I'd feel great. It took me about a year to really get my ambition back. I was burnt out. I didn't realize I was because I held a really high standard for myself, but I was burnt out. I was exhausted and it took me a long time to genuinely want to throw myself into things and have the energy for it. I remember six months after I left realizing, I don't know if I really want to work and I don't have a choice. Like I have to work for money, but there's a diff. If you don't know if you really want to work, then entrepreneurship is not the best path. Like, I think if you don't really want to work, you want a job that you can clock in and clock out and you don't have to take home and you don't have so much responsibility. And I just looked back at my life and it was like, well, your whole life, you've been passionate, your whole life, you've been driven and ambitious and ambitious. This might fade. I did a lot of self-healing. This is when I was really getting healing a lot of stories around trauma, physical assault, sexual challenges. I talk about these in my first few episodes of my podcast. Started sharing those stories, really found my voice, and things just started to unfold. If I needed a clear vision at the beginning, it would have never happened. I had to get comfortable with the unknown. I had to get comfortable with surrendering to the path and be willing just to follow 
the next step, just to follow that spark. And I'm so glad I did because I now see a vision. I see a vision of what I want out of my career. I have things that I love. I feel purposeful. I feel like I'm in my gifts. It took two years longer than I think I thought it would or hoped it would. And that was exactly how long it needed to take. I don't think I could have done it faster. I don't think it would have been healthy for me, but I didn't have that perspective then. And I just, I'm really glad I trusted myself. Trusting myself has kept me safe. It's kept me in the places I need to be. It's kept me happy. And, you know, we all are intuitive beings. We have that available to us. I think I'm going to wrap up here. If you have questions about the next step, I know a lot of people have are leaving. They're not sure what, they're do, what they want to do. They're considering different paths. Send them my way. I would love to hear like what sort of stuff you're interested in. We can just talk what I'm, you know, in our own way on Instagram or in, through email. Um, but I would also love questions that I might be able to answer through more podcast episodes. If you are seeking support on your path, on connecting with yourself, your intuition, check out my website, wildriver.live. Check out my Sunbeam coaching program, my offerings, my readings. I do deep dives, kind of providing the support that Danny did to me then that helped me find clarity and intention in my life. But I also offer a lot of other one-off sessions that might be nourishing and supportive for you. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for sticking around with me. Much love.